This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Uh, another week, a lot of animal welfare issues. Uh, momentarily, we're going to get to all of them. But Nancy, in addition to all of her animal welfare activity, rescuing cats, dogs, and other animals, and then uh, especially with the cats, getting them medical help uh, right before they were going to be executed and euthanized at a shelter and then socializing them and adopting them out and fostering them out. As an e-attorney, because that's your specialty, Nancy, uh, we had a lot of callers. I couldn't get to them, but they can't believe that there are so many people out there who are influencers who claim to have huge followings on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and it's all fake. It's all bots. Is there any truth to that? Um, just you mean like like any sort of um, online presence? Yeah, because uh, you and I, we were looking at Spotify, remember, and we were seeing uh, how you could pay very little money and have instant followers. You could go from five to five thousand to twenty-five thousand. Well, yeah, I, I would say uh, one of the the easiest ways to to tell is if someone looks as though they have a lot of people. You know, you would expect a lot of engagement with anything that they do. So, like, if they have, um, like, 5 million followers and they post something and, like, three people like it, you know, chances are that's a fake account. Like, they've purchased everybody. <laughs> and people, Nancy, people don't realize so much of that world is fake. Yeah, because you'll look at the, the bylines of things. I mean, you know, and, and even things that are meant to um, verify accounts. Um, you know, they. I've seen verified accounts where, you know, like I have no idea who the person is and they have like one follower. And I'm not sure if it's like some private secret account, but when we try to do your stuff, it's like so many hurdles. It's So, again, it's hard to tell which ones are legitimate sometimes. Well, let me just, uh, word to the wise, it was breaking news earlier today. A lot of the people that you respect or you follow or you think are influencers – they have maybe five real followers in the whole world, and they're probably family members who are tired of following them any longer. But let's go on to the animal welfare issue. Wow. <laughs> it was 2 a.m. in the morning, about four mornings ago. I had just gotten to sleep because I had to get up. In fact, it was a Wednesday morning because I had to come, as I do Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, and I'm here at 7.05 with Sid for a segment. 
and you heard something going on. I couldn't hear it. I thought it was a truck outside. You say, hey, Curtis, do you hear that? And explain to our audience what it was. Oh, it was, I, I was hearing um, the cry of a kitten. So, I mean, you know how, how faint that sound is. But, uh, you know, I'm so clued into hearing even, like, the smallest of the, the animal sounds. So, like, I heard this tiny little cry. And so right away I had, uh, you know, woken up and, um, you know, I, I put in, like, the flashlight on my phone on looking around. And, you know, I saw, you know, one of the kittens already. And so the, uh, Yeah, the cat was already, like, you know, starting to give birth. And you acted like a midwife right there for Whiskers, the female cat who was bringing, uh, uh, actually, the litter was coming into this world. Yeah, and, you know, you don't have to do, you know, too much, which is good. Uh, you, know, you know, more or less uh, you're monitoring to make sure nothing is happening that's, you know, like problematic, like, you know, visually problematic. Um, you know, and, and also they're, the, the idea is they're supposed to be in like a place where, you know, maybe they'll seek someplace out where it's warm or uh, quiet, you know, like a little cubby hole. I mean, this was like right at the, the, uh, right in the floor, like near the door area. So I had to actually then transport the kittens into like a little, um, you know, container type thing, um, where they could lay in and then I, you know, put her in there. So yeah, it was, uh, you know, it took about an hour or so for for that to happen. But, uh, you know, thankfully everyone is looking good and doing well. And imagine uh, Whiskers was one of the many cats you rescued from uh, animal care and control. The shelter slated to be executed, destroyed, euthanized. That would have been uh, Whiskers dead and the kittens dead. Yeah, I mean, they're a cute little thing. So uh, certainly the goal will be to find them. Nice little homes, and, uh, you know, right now they're not doing too much, which is great. <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about them just yet, but once they start moving, uh, that's going to be another story. Well, it's amazing because Whiskers treated you just like a midwife. She didn't want any of the other cats around. They were a little curious, but you could see she was ready to protect her kittens. But you, she didn't mind that you were her midwife side by side with her. Yeah, you know, and, and it, it was... Um, Definitely like that. Like the the cats we have uh, were looking on. Uh, you know, some were just watching, but you know, like one or two were trying to like get really close, and uh, you were keeping them at bay. So, uh, you know, but again, at the same time, I think there's that recognition that you need help. So, you know, and obviously recognizing that someone's helping you. So, you know, it's not a an aggressive situation. I mean, again, I'm imagining it's just like when you like now visualize that there was actually six kittens. I can I can see why she was willing to take all the help she could get. Oh, for sure. And by the way, <laughs> uh, if people wanted to uh, follow uh, Whiskers and her yeah. birth process and see the kitties, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, so I'm going to start posting um, all the pictures of the kittens on uh, your social media. So like your Twitter and your Facebook Everything is Curtis Lewa, so that's real easy to find. And, yeah, you'll, you'll see all their little faces. And, um, you know, I took a, a cute little video today. So, you know, you can see everyone moving. 
Uh, yeah, no, it's cute. So I think everyone's going to really enjoy seeing uh, their their progress. And uh, our followers uh, to my social networking are bot free. We didn't buy any <laughs> of them on Spotify. It's real. Uh, but a lot of them are animal welfare people who have either had dogs or cats or other animals. or they live in rural areas, suburban areas. They live in urban areas, but one of the things that we, both of us, have jumped into, both feet forward, is to offer up to the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, the concept of using uh, feral cats outdoors, of which they already exist in colonies. Many of them, uh, women, predominantly take care of them, although in some instances there are men, and these are cats when you have them outdoors because they won't come indoors. It is Mother Nature's way of keeping the rat, the mice, and the rodent population at bay. And uh, I don't have the cut right now because, uh, you see, I took a few hours with you, Nancy, and I can't afford to do that because uh, <laughs> I can't depend on everybody getting stuff ready for me if so I'm not watching. hours in a week I can't, I can't have anymore? Nah, I got to look over their shoulders. You know, the cat's away and the mice will play. Can I say that? Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, little... that, that one's okay. That's All right. Okay. But anyway, the point is <laughs> the mayor was at the final showing of mm-hmm. uh, the Phantom of the Opera. And what was it that he said to the gathered audience and particularly the man, uh, uh, Weber, who was uh, responsible for it? Well, yeah, he was sort of honoring his entire uh, uh, career, but specifically mentioned cats and said, oh, we should bring that back because of the the big problem we have with the rats in New York City. So he was publicly acknowledging the clear connection that that cats can be beneficial to this issue. Well, the reason I bring this up again is uh, next Saturday night, the mayor will be roasted at the annual inner city gathering of reporters. They have an opportunity to roast the mayor, and then he comes in with his entourage from 12 midnight on. A lot of times it does consist of people who are part of Broadway productions, and then they fire back at uh, the reporter's uh, I'm uh, there every year because of the generosity of uh, John and Margot who buy a table. And it'll be interesting because the whole focus of this inner circle night is they call it Eric Adams Rat Man. Imagine, out of all the things in this past year, all the craziness, right? Illegal aliens, crime, you know, people leaving the city. The focus. Yeah. is going to be on the issue that we brought to everybody's attention about rats. It's, I mean, it's it really is mind-boggling. And what's even funnier is that it's within this sort of comical setting because he really has no approach at whatsoever to addressing this issue. So I guess it is setting. It is the appropriate setting, <laughs> comedy. I, th- I think everyone recognized that. Saturday Night Live, they did a skit. They made fun of his new rat czarina uh, others have made fun of it because I know he came up with it at the last second because he probably knew that this inner circle uh, drama was going on where the reporters were going to roast him and they were already calling him the rat man. They, they, he knew, his staff knew, this guy, you got to get a rat saw. You've been promising a rat saw since December. And they basically picked a woman out of the Department of Education who never had done anything involving rats. They create, oh, yeah, she did rat mitigation in the schools. Baloney. 
and now she's going to be sitting on her tuchus nine to five doing administrative work and not out there in the field where you got to be if you're going to sort of like balance the number now, of reps. It is, it is really interesting because he, he did roll this out as saying, uh, you know, whoever has this position – they're going to have to be, you know, um, you know, very uh, forward-reaching and, you know, constantly, um, you know, uh, speaking to the public and speaking to the media. You know, but then all of a sudden it was very secretive about who this person was. He quickly rolled them out, and now he rolled them back in. So <laughs> I don't know what happened. No, I, I, I've been able to talk to people at the Department of Education who know her. She was a great educator. They say that. Very good teacher in the classroom. Good administrator of teachers. We need more of that. But she knew nothing about rats. Her role did not have her dealing with rats at all. And basically, they just needed somebody for the spur of the moment. And it's going to be a waste of money. She should be sent back to the Department of Education, where apparently she was doing a very good job with teachers. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And now... We have an opportunity that we were denied, Nancy, during my mayoral run against Eric Adams. Let me set the stage for you, because it's happening now for candidates who are running for the city council this year. They have an opportunity to um, run also on an independent line. So Tuesday, candidates uh, of any party can go out there and try to create an independent line. So they have another opportunity for the voters, the very few who actually vote in these off-year elections, to vote for them if they don't want to vote for them because they're a Democrat, Republican, whatever. When I was running for mayor, our volunteers went out and collected 25,000 signatures all over the five boroughs of the city of New York, more than I had to run as a Republican and the other independent line that I ran on. And both the Democrats and the Republicans at the Board of Elections dismissed those signatures. We were denied an animal welfare line. Yeah, that was horrible. We watched this because, remember, it was in the middle of the COVID-19 restrictions. We couldn't believe the rationale they were using. Democrats and Republicans joined. But it's such it's such a routine that you barely have any opportunity to uh, to complain or to challenge it. So we already had one independent line. We didn't push it. But we're bringing the animal welfare line back. In fact, everybody is welcome. Get a pad and a pen, and I'll tell you where you can come on Tuesday night. But our Republican candidate running in Astoria out of the Ronald Reagan Republican Club that we've just opened up to take on the socialists, AOC, and her mini-me's, Caban, uh, she has qualified as a Republican and a conservative. And she will now have an opportunity to run on an independent line. And we are reviving the animal welfare line. First time this line would ever have existed in election. And we're going to make sure that it passes muster. So you can actually come and get your petitions uh, because anybody can sign the petition if they're a registered voter in the area. They could be an independent. They could be a Republican. They could be a conservative, working families party. They could be a Democrat. It doesn't matter as long as they're registered in that district. So if you need information, if you want to come out and see Nancy and myself Tuesday night, right off of Steinway Street, it's our third meeting of the Ronald Reagan Republican Club. There are moderate Democrats in it. There are independents. There are Republicans. Anybody but Caban, anybody but AOC 
and we will be collecting signatures to have our candidate, Kelly Klingman, run also on the animal welfare line because everybody loves animals. You know, you could be a Trumper, you could be a supporter of Biden, you could be apolitical, they love animals. Uh, just go online to Reagan-Revolution.com. That's Reagan-Revolution.com to get the details. And it's something that we're going to be encouraging uh, other candidates to do who need an independent line, Nancy. No, I mean, I'm I'm really excited about it because I was very disappointed that it didn't go through last time. And, I mean, certainly it was something that the public at large wanted. Um, you know, as you've mentioned um, numerous times, it's, you know, it's not a political issue. It's just an issue that people can agree upon. So, you know, it's it's sad to see that people want this to move forward and that there will be an effort to squash that. And the idea of the animal welfare line is no-kill shelters. No-kill shelters. Los Angeles has no-kill shelters now. Austin, Texas has no-kill shelters. It's time in New York City, and we're trying to get candidates uh, to also run on the animal welfare line for the purpose of eliminating the the kill shelters. And I think you, you could be a socialist, you could be a conservative, you could be a liberal, you could be a, a, a Republican, Democrat, an independent. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an issue. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, here's another story that I had it all set up, and unfortunately uh, our vast uh, human resource here didn't prepare it uh, for airing, but you're familiar with the story that was brought to our airwaves by uh, Alex, uh, our uh, producer for the Frank Morano Show. He also does news about the gay couple and the abuse of the dogs that NBC uh, brought to everybody's attention. Could you explain the story? Because it happens with humans and it now happens with animals. Yeah, so um, the, a 33-year-old um, man named Trenton Hatton, he was arrested for you know uh, animal abuse. More or less, he had been um, videotaped in an elevator while he was pet-sitting his partner's dogs, and from the time that he got into the elevator to the time, you know, he got up to the floor of the apartment, he was severely uh, beating this dog, Um, you know, just excessively, just so much so that, uh, you know, whoever had monitored the, the videotapes, they'd call the authorities, and so then what happens is the authorities come by, they wind up arresting this individual. So, you know, now, so at this time, so this is all happening, and the owner of the dogs, now he, he comes home and had heard about everything that happened. So the, you know, the boyfriend who had beat the, this dog up is more or less pleading to the dog owner and saying, oh, you know, I didn't mean it, and, you know, you know me, and I'm a good guy, and... Like all that kind of stuff. So the owner of the dogs is now sort of pleading on his behalf, like, oh, he really didn't mean it, and he really does love the dogs, and, you know, you should see how sorry he is. But in this process, what's happened is now the, um, you know, the NYPD, they've come back to the house, and they've taken the three dogs, uh, you know, from this individual. And he's upset because he's saying, well, I didn't actually commit a crime against the dogs. So this is the state of where this is at right now. Wow. So just like with humans, I don't think people realize that there are some domestic issues 
whether they're partners, whether they're married, whether they're just uh, living together, sometimes a person will not leave an abusive household because they don't want to leave the pets behind. They don't want the pets to be abused. Yeah, I mean, and and in this situation, so, you know, he's obviously trying to protect his boyfriend from, you know, some form of criminal prosecution and, you know, in essence having to defend someone who's abusing his pets, which I'm sure he doesn't want to do. But at the same time, you know, the reason these dogs would have been taken from him is because, you know, this couldn't have been the first time when, uh, you know, they they did um, take the dogs to be um, checked out. You know, the the degree of injuries that the the dogs had, and it wasn't just the one who had been abused, so it was uh, malnourishment. So it looks as though, you know, he's putting these dogs in someone's care who's not, um, you know, monitoring them. But, you know, again, just the level of abuse, just to put it in perspective, you know, he was seen um, kicking the dog, like, with such force where it flew across the elevator and hit the wall of the elevator. If you could fathom what that would be like for a person to receive that type of blow, and that was just one of them. I mean, that's that's the kind of monstrous mind that you're dealing with. And we can't tell people enough times there have been uh, forensic studies, uh, in-depth studies about men, women, children who abuse animals, and what they go on to do if they're not stopped, if they're not, uh, let's say, um, uh, if they're not confronted, if they don't go for therapy, if they're not locked up, whatever whatever it is that is required to be done to stop these monsters, is that it just gets translated into abuse of humans. Could be at the workplace, could be in a relationship, could be their mother and father who are ill or infirm at home. The abuse doesn't stop with the animals. It escalates with the humans that they have contact with. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, the reality is most likely this person has has committed these acts because they themselves have been failed by the system. They probably experienced abuse when they were young, and this is why it's normal to them. But, you know, this is part of the approach to living in a civilized society. If for some reason someone has issues, which clearly they do, if they're going to be doing this to innocent animals, you can't have them running around society because they're a danger to normal people. Absolutely. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Here's a story that would have broken your heart, Nancy, and I know a lot of our listeners. But a rescue saved a healthy senior citizen cat that was brought in to be surrendered to animal care and control, euthanized, because in its latter years it started to pee outside of the litter box. Yeah, so, uh, you know, again, um, one of the common reasons people will relinquish their pets when they're older, you know, medical issues. Now, and this is an example of someone sort of uh, jumping to conclusions or maybe just saying, I don't want to, you know, put the work in involved. But, you know, they wound up bringing their um, their older cat to their vet and said, oh, I want to do, um, you know, I want to euthanize my cat. And the veterinarian wound up um, talking this person out of that and, you know, handing over possession, you know, saying, oh, I can, I can find this cat a good home. And, you know, then uh, giving it over to the, the local um, shelter that's in Dutchess County. And it turns out that 
what this cat has is an extremely common issue for older cats. It's uh, urinary crystals. And the remedy for that was uh, shifting the diet. So since they did that, there's been no such issues. So, you know, again, it's it's really kind of, it's an eye-opener on a lot of different fronts, which is, you know, why, you know, people uh, need to have more information before they make these decisions, you know, maybe why um, some of these services and uh, things should be available to the public at large. I mean, if this person had known that was an option, you know, would they have done it? Like, I don't know. So, but also the fact that you can bring an otherwise perfectly healthy pet to the vet and actually make that request. I want to euthanize them. You can do that legally. That's a problem too. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues here. So, even if a dog or a cat or another animal is not showing that maybe it'll have to be euthanized, somebody can just bring it in, surrender it, and say, I don't want to deal with it anymore. I want you to kill my dog. I want you to kill my cat. Owner-requested euthanization is legal. Now, whether or not a vet would do that, I would hope that a more reputable vet would be smart enough to tell that person, no, no, this isn't a healthy animal. Um, here's the names of, you know, shelters where you can bring them to, where they can be adopted. Um, but it's a legal practice. Generally, from your experiences, if you go to a, a vet, what do they charge you to euthanize uh, your family member, your friend, your furry little uh, creature? Uh, you know, I mean, it depends uh, how you, you know, if you're requesting the the remains and things like that. But, you know, just the, the basic type of thing. I mean, several hundred dollars huh. for sure. So it's money. Yeah, it's money. Correct. Yeah. And like we know, there are doctors who will do anything for money with humans. There's got to be some vets out there who look at it. It's like, okay, you don't want your pet. Now i got to put it in a shelter. Might as well I mean, just use it. Yeah, if they're not willing to invest even the money to oh go out or maybe get a single medication or try a different diet, like, okay, and, yeah, they might be thinking the same exact thing. Well, if I don't do it, you'll go to someone else, and maybe they are jaded like that, some of them. Oh, yeah. Look, medical doctors for humans do that. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I, I've seen that myself. I went through the removal of my prostate for prostate cancer when it shouldn't have been removed. I mean, they do it with humans. They'll do it with animals. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then we are proponents of no-kill shelters. I ran on that as my campaign platform against Eric Adams. I actually inherited it from uh, John Katzmatidis, our owner-operator, talk show host here at WABC, who when he ran for mayor 2013 was the first candidate ever in the existence of uh, election uh, uh, electioning, uh, who actually had that as a uh, platform, uh, no-kill shelters, Los Angeles, we cited them for having no-kill shelters, as does Austin. But a Los Angeles shelter hosts a speed dating event for dog adoptions. Wow, this sounds pretty creative, pretty unique. Explain it. Yeah, this is actually uh, an organization that I like a lot. It's called Best Friends Animal Society. Their whole agenda is really based on the same thing like us, you know, promoting no-kill uh, shelters throughout the United States, and they have a lot of, uh, you know, different locations throughout the United States, and one of the uh, spots is in Los Angeles. So what they do is they hosted a foster dog speed dating, and what's great about this is, so like, you know, now 
um, all of the different animals in the the different shelters, uh, you know, in this rescue shelter, um, the best friends, they have people who are fostering them in the interim, obviously beyond space considerations, but just to socialize them, but also finding that because the fosters now have that immediate information about, you know, the pet's personalities and, you know, what they like to do and how they get along and things like that. So in an effort to promote adoption, they had the different pets where, you know, they're with the fosters on Zooms and people are more or less doing like, um, you know, virtual adoption meetings to see if they're good fits with with the uh, different pets, which I think is a great type of thing to do because, you know, matching up personalities is great to know beforehand, like what type of pet you're bringing home, like, you know, where they're at, what their energy level is, or, you know, maybe how they interact or what they like to do, their hours. Well, uh, when uh, Dominic joins us at the top of the hour, you're going to have to give him some assistance. One of our callers, the other side of midnight, I think it was uh, Sunday morning, told uh, our audience, which is a global audience, that Dominic had talked about a problem he had with his cat who uh, in the living room apparently was uh, scratching up the uh, Castro convertible, the sofa or whatever. And I said, wow, that's prime time for Nancy. I hope Dominic is not trying to get any advice from Frank Morano. Oh, my God, oh, my. What a mistake that would be. So when we come back, we'll go to your calls, 1-800-848-9222. W-A-B-C. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Curtis Lewa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. By the way, before we go to the phones, uh, if you've missed any of the previous uh, episodes of our animal welfare uh, radio show, exclusive to WABC, go to WABCradio.com. You can get it all on podcasts. It's more than a year's worth of programming and share it with others. And now we have the new half-hour video edition exclusive to WABC. It's on the uh, uh, WABC YouTube. You type in Red Apple Media, and you can see eight episodes. And I think our most recent one up there for everyone to view, Nancy, is about Tuna, our Russian uh, blue uh, AARP cat that we love so much. And we recently lost, uh, we sat shiver for the eight days. We're still uh, suffering uh, from her loss. Uh, but explain to some of our uh, listeners uh, what they can see on that half-hour video. Well, we have, you know, pictures from the time that, uh, and video, when she first came into the, the household. And also her starring role, which was, you know, her, her claim to fame that she was the face of, your mayoral campaign regarding no-kill shelters. So, I mean, yeah, it was a lot of good stuff. Oh, and you got to see it. And then obviously this week when we film on Wednesday, we'll do the entire uh, – we'll focus the entire show on the birth of the six kittens to our cat, Whiskers, who you rescued uh, from execution at the animal shelter. 
Let's go to uh, Danny in Port Jefferson. Welcome to the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Danny. Hey, guys. Thanks for what you do. Uh, I just want to make a a point that, um, you know, I don't know about when you went to school, but I know there was was assemblies and stuff, and people were giving these kids uh, some – some education on what not to do to abuse these animals. I think that's what we need to do. We need to bring that back into the auditoriums because it's out of control. I got to tell you, Danny, having been a guest in some of the school auditoriums, the kids are so out of control with attention deficit disorder, and the teachers are not permitted to get them to focus that I found, Nancy, that unlike when you went to school out in Bohemia, when I went to school in Brooklyn, that the likelihood is is that your message won't even be heard by most of the kids because they're shouting, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're, they're fiddling around with their cell phones and, and everything else, and it's it's sad. But it should be done, I would say, class to class, where you have a better opportunity at getting everybody's attention. Yeah, I would say that, too. I think the the smaller... Um, environment would would make a lot of sense, and then this way the you know the kids could directly interact and ask questions. That would be great for people to go into classrooms and and educate them, and then also be a role model too. Because you know a lot of these kids, you know they'll they'll go along with the crowd. Like someone will be doing something, like oh I'm just going to kick this animal, and they don't think it's cool, but then they don't want to say anything because no one's ever told them that that's not a cool thing to do. So you need to have someone actually come in and tell them, no, no, that's not the right thing. And if you do that, you know, let them know they're doing something wrong. Absolutely. Let's go to Bobby and Ron shows. Welcome to the animal welfare hour here at WABC, Bobby. Yes. Good evening, uh, Curtis and Nancy. Question for Nancy. Um, my neighbors had a uh, golden retriever. And when I took it to the vet for him, it was 87 and a half pounds. And the vet said that it's got to drop some weight. Now, my neighbors, they really don't take good care of their dog. So I kind of took over, and I saw a uh, – I researched something on how to feed dogs properly. And what I did was I went and I got a small can of peas, a small can of carrots, a small can of uh, corn, and I mixed that together into a mash. I take only a tablespoon with a half a thing of sheba. And then a third of fancy feast with the fish because it's difficult finding anything with fish and dog food. But yeah. I also thought that I also saw that they were using flaxseed oil and uh, fish oil. So I take the two tab the two capsules and I cut them open and I put it in. I mix it, and that dog it looks like it's dropped at least fifteen to maybe twenty pounds in the last two months, and it's oh, more wow. energetic. It's running and it's having. Uh, you know, it's life back. Am I on the right track? Because wow, they that, said only. Yeah, first, that sounds great. That, I mean, congratulations. Now, Nancy, congratulations. when when you uh, were raising your dog out in Bohemia, what did you feed your dog? You know what, my mom—that's her um, expertise—and she she goes all out and does like the same exact stuff because it's true. What you feed them obviously is so super important, and there are things that you know, are like, um, you know, more ideal for them. Now, uh, me personally, I, I don't have the experience with, um, you know, feeding the dogs. I'm not sure what their nutritional needs are, but I, I do know with cats, too, that one thing is, you know, in terms of like the overeating, right, you want to keep their metabolism um, on point. And one of the mistakes sometimes people make is leaving food out all the time because then it's like their metabolism isn't really at its peak because they're always smelling food. 
you know, in nature, they would just be hunting periodically. So when you put out the food, there's a certain time, and then after that, it's gone. And, you know, so they, they learn to do that, and that actually helps their metabolism keep on check, too. Well, you know, when uh, I had my first dog who followed me home from my newspaper route in Canarsie, uh, uh, part Great Dane, part German Shepherd, big dog. Uh, I used some of the money that I would make on Fridays, a collection, and I went to the uh, nearby uh, AMP, and I got four cans of Dash Dog food for a dollar. And I came home, and I opened up a can, and I put it in the bowl, and the dog looked at me and growled. <laughs> he was not going to eat that crap. And when my mother came home and said, what are you feeding the dog? Are you out of your mind? I said, yeah, but it was the cheapest dog food, four cans for a dollar, dash dog food. And she said, get out of here. Don't you ever feed the dog again. And she would make uh, she make great Italian food for the dog, which I don't know was the best for the dog, but it was a hell of a lot better than dash dog food. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know the, the food is bad when you don't want to even get anything on you or it smells up an entire room. Like, it's not really supposed to do that. I mean, my dog never growled at me. <laughs> growled. Smelled that dash dog food growled at me like, yeah, really? Never. Anyway, let's go to Loretta, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Loretta. Good morning, Nancy and Curtis. Um, Nancy, you made me smile when you were talking about whiskers. Mm-hmm. Um, I del- this was 1975, so I was 25. My cat, my Angora cat, Crystal, she got out accidentally and got pregnant. The one night she got out. <laughs> yeah, and, and she came in. Uh, we had the basement apartment, and the door was on the side of the building. So that's how she got out, easily. And she came in. She hid in the washing machine. She was scared. So I had to get the landlord to tip over the washing machine so I could get her out. She wouldn't come out. So I didn't know she was pregnant. So I was all dressed up. A family was coming over to take me to Westchester for my father's birthday party. He was 75. (laughs) And she was delivering her kittens. (laughs) And there were no vets open then. I don't know how I got them on the phone, the animal medical center in manhattan and i'm all dressed up to go but she's delivering and she's just laying there she's not doing anything so the the vet guided me through the process he talked talked me through it and um i was nervous and uh, i'm no good at these kinds of things especially when it's yours you are nervous. So uh, he said it's not that she's a bad mother. She's too old to have a first litter. I, I don't oh, know how. She? I don't remember. Oh, okay. She wasn't supposed to get out, obviously, but however it happened. So she just laid there, and I remember I had to break the sack somehow. She, was, she wasn't even looking down there. And um, I had to get thread to tie the cord. Wow. And if you do it wrong, the kitten will bleed to death or something will happen with her. So, um, Wow, so Loretta, this was like uh, you were a midwife. <laughs> That's really intricate. Now, uh, Whiskers, on the other hand, is a very young cat. Uh, so yeah. this will be her first litter and her last litter because <laughs> yeah. she will get fixed. 
as soon as she is healthy enough to uh, visit Dr. Nasser, the vet that we use in Brooklyn. But, you know, and, and it's, but it's true. It's like the, the different types of birth. So, yeah, whisk, um, Whiskers was sort of circling, walking around in circles. I actually remember the first cat I ever started taking care of outdoors, um, Mama Cats, I saw her have a litter of cats. This is before I was aware of what TNR was and how important it was to spay and neuter. But I saw her having her kittens as she was eating food. Like, it was like nothing. I was like, wait, what is going on there? And she was having kittens. Like, it was no big deal. So I guess it does depend the age and maybe, you know, how many litters they have had before. Now, Mama was the outdoor cat, the feral cat who um, you had to uh, bring indoors after having an operation for her, a very serious operation. She recuperated, but as soon as she could move, she did not want to stay indoors. Yeah, that's true. She did not want to stay indoors. She wanted to bolt outside because uh, people don't understand that, that if they're a feral cat, they will under no circumstance stay in the house. They will do anything they can to get out. I mean, and, and the thing is, it's, it's not that, um, you know, you can't, um, you know, necessarily bring a feral cat in. And, you know, obviously the situations could be different. But in this one, I just think it was, uh, you know, she had been out there too long. And, you know, that was the, the comfort zone that she had, all of the cats outdoors. Um, because, you know, it, it was just the case that she was very, very friendly, interactive with me outdoors when I would see her to the point where, you know, she would give off that impression, oh, wow, you could bring her indoors because she's just so sweet and loving and, like, you know, jumping up into your hands type thing. The minute the door closed, it's like everything changed, and she was petrified. Now, again, maybe in time she would have gotten over that, but it's case by case, and it, it wasn't a necessary thing. You know, she was part of a taking care of colony, so, you know, it, it didn't need to be done. And I remember uh, one of the neighbors that you uh, had lived with in Sunset Park before I knew you when you were tent taking care of those feral cats outdoors. They called you, and they told you that Mama was in really bad shape. Mm. And we rushed over there, and I remember she was laying right on the, the doormat preparing to die. You could just see the cat uh, was ready to die and we bundled her up, and we brought her home, and you cared for her and cared for her until she passed into the hereafter. Yeah, she let me hold her that night, and then that was that was the only night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go, if we can, to um, Joe, who's calling from Jericho. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Joe. First of all, your, your, call, your screen callers need raises. They're great guys. Also, I want to say something positive. Uh, you guys are doing a great job. So Francesco D'Assisi is proud of you both. God bless you both. Uh, animal Medical Center, which the previous call spoke about, that is the best animal hospital in the world, 24-7. Christmas morning, 3 a.m., you can bring an animal there. And awesome. also, let's give a test. Let's give a shout-out to Richmond Valley Animal Practice, 50th year now, Dr. Esposito and Dr. Powell, the best, the best of the best out on Staten Island. And the bottom line is there are a lot of American veterans that would love to have a service animal. Let's bring an end to this kill policy and get them trained as uh, service animals to the American veterans. Doesn't that make sense? 
Joe, yeah, you're absolutely, absolutely uh, correct. Uh, I know, Nancy, you've uh, spoken um, at length about the need, especially for senior citizens in long-term uh, uh, health care uh, situations and hospitals, veterans, whomever they are. Uh, they love these service animals. They really love them. I mean, and when you just think about the actual, you know, reality of the situation, I mean, you have people who are, you know, through usually some physical ailments, they're unable to go anywhere. You have animals who are confined to places. I mean, they need to socialize. Both parties need to socialize. Everyone benefits. It's a win-win. This is going to make them more adoptable. It's going to make people happier, healthier. It, It makes it a better work environment if you were to come in there and you have dogs that are part of your floor and part of the room and yeah i mean everything that would sort of change once you start incorporating animals into your environment well when we come back nancy you're going to have to give advice to dominic carter about a problem apparently he's had at his home in pomona with his cat uh i want you to do that before frank offers him advice and we know where that's going to go hey But if anybody would like to get in touch with you in the interim to our next animal welfare program here on WABC Sundays 11 or 12, how might they do that? Uh, You can go to um, guardianangels.org and the animal protection tab, or you can email me directly, nancy at guardianangels.org. And remember, in addition to sharing these programs exclusive to WABC, we now have the animal welfare half-hour video Once a week, uploaded on Wednesdays. This recent one was about Tuna, our Russian blue cat, a senior citizen cat. I called her AARP, who passed away. You can see the videos and the pictures and Nancy explaining for about a half hour the life and times of Tuna. And obviously, we're going to be posting the video and uh, the photographs of Whiskers bringing her kittens into the world. She would have never had that chance because Nancy had to rescue Whiskers from an animal control shelter where it was very likely that Whiskers would have been euthanized. W-A-B-C.